You're listening to the Anatomy Nerd Show, exploring wellness modalities around the globe. I'm leading you on a wellness quest, talking to health professionals as my guest to spread knowledge that is worthwhile to empower you to live a healthy lifestyle. Use herbs, foods, and spices in medicinal ways, how to make it routine and not just a phase. Discovering an abundance of possibilities as you join me on this wellness journey. You're listening to episode number 10 of the Anatomy Nerd Show, where we discover crucial health topics and wellness modalities from around the globe and how to use foods, spices, and herbs in medicinal ways in order to educate you on ways to balance nutrition, mobility, and mindset in the most impactful way. I am your host, Vanessa Reagans, aka The Anatomy Nerd. During this episode, I invited Dr. Perry Nicholson, founder of Stop Chasing Pain. Let's dive right in. Dr. Perry, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me today. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. And first of all, congratulations on it as well. I love the name of it. And thank you for asking me to be one of the first 10. I'm pretty excited. And I love your name. Love the name. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) It was fun to create it. It was just like a character that I've made up. And it's pretty much my little, you know, side uh, side character. <laughs> well, that's great. I mean, that comes through. I mean, that's one of the keys, right? To just share yourself and, and who you are. And, and that's really, really important when you're trying to make a difference in another person's life is to just stay authentic. So congratulations I, on that. Thanks. I completely agree. So Dr. Perry, where are you from originally? Well, I live in New Jersey now, and I'm 53 years old, but I was originally born and raised in the deep south of Virginia, rural parts of Virginia, in a town called Martinsville, Virginia, which was is famous for the only half-mile NASCAR racetrack, stock car. And I lived down there until I was 14 years old and then moved up here to New Jersey. The reason I moved up here, honestly, is because my parents were divorced. And I was living with my father, and my father was diagnosed with uh, brain cancer, and he passed away in four months at that time. And because of that experience, that's one of the motivating factors that wanted to get me into healthcare in general. Oh, wow. I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. I appreciate that. So where does this modality or topic originate from? Which one? That we're going to talk about today. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, stop chasing pain kind of evolved over time. Like, you know, I got into chiropractic actually a a little bit later in life. Um, and, um, I got out and started to treat people that were in pain, obviously, because that's usually the time that most people seek some help is only when something hurts or not even that if it hurts, uh, and it no longer goes away. Right. Because, if it hurts, then we hope it goes away or we do some things and then it goes away, but then it comes back. Uh, but I was always curious of, okay, why, why am I always having to do the same thing all the time, right? So I started to change up what I was doing and do different type of therapies and modalities. And But I was still getting the same kind of response of like, all this stuff keeps coming back. And I was really isolating of uh, the symptoms, you might say, that somebody walks in, which is usually pain and of where something would hurt. But I wasn't getting long-term results. I wanted to find out why stuff was not sticking. And that's where Stop Chasing Pain came from. It means treat pain 
but don't chase it. And then all pain is only a symptom as well. Pain doesn't actually tell you much of anything at all. It, it just tells you that there's something that your body needs you to pay attention to. It's more of a protective response because pain gets your attention. It's an attention grabber. But it doesn't mean that where it hurts is actually the underlying driving area that's causing it. And that's one of the reasons that Stop Chasing Pain came about. It's my search to figure out uh, why more chronic pain is what I deal with. Acute pain, that's pretty damn simple. That's acute trauma most of the time. But it's the mm-hmm. chronic pain one that's the hardest one, the one that we're struggling with the most in the world today in regards to chronic pain, but also chronic disease and autoimmune. Exactly. Exactly. I remember in my massage program, our instructor told us one of the, when we were starting to deal with uh, clients and their pain points is that pain lies. And I try to share that with my clients when they come to me with a problem area to remind them that their pain may be lying to them. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, mean, we, we start, we have this, contentious relationship with pain, right? And we, we, we come down on the body and we blame the body and we, we're hard on ourselves. Ah, why is this always hurt? Or something's always wrong. But that's the wrong language to use because pain, it sucks. Yeah. But pain is not the first thing you feel. It's the last thing you feel. You don't feel pain until you've had an underlying process for a long period of time. And then your body just says, you know what, I can't do it on my own anymore. I'm trying to protect you and heal you because that's my job, but I can't do it alone. And so I'm going to throw you some hurt so you can get some attention, right? And then it's hoping that it's hoping that we'll be smarter than we are, but but we're not. We keep going after where it hurts. But my, I was trying to find a definition for pain, and I couldn't find one that I like because most of it's all this medical jargon and rigmarole that doesn't mean anything. Uh, so... The one I came up with was pain is a request for change. Pain is a request for change. And a request from whom? Well, from you and from what? Well, your whole body, all the systems of your body. And to to change what? Well, usually it's to change your habits and your behaviors that were probably leading to this underlying problem developing in the first place. So you can change them to change your pain or... It could be change where you're treating. It could be change the modality that you're using. It could be change the way that you're actually working and talking to your client. So it covers all those parameters because if you're doing something and the pain is not going away, it usually means that you're probably on the wrong track, right? But unfortunately, we just keep crossing our fingers and we say, well, maybe it'll take another visit or another couple of weeks. And I firmly believe that if you give the body what it wants, it'll tell you quick, fast, and in a hurry if you got it right. And if you don't give it what it wants, it'll tell you that answer too. Absolutely. It sure will. So on your Instagram, I've seen a lot of posts regarding lymph. Yeah. And the connection that that has to our body's function. Can you go a little bit deeper into that? Sure, absolutely. Well, first, let's let's talk about what the lymphatic system is. One, I think it's the most important and neglected system in the body that people are not looking at to to get well and stay well. It Basically, it's the system that is your detoxification system, and it's designed to get rid of the sewage that's inside of your body, kind of like... 
the waste that you have when you go to the bathroom in your home, it's got to go out of your house. Uh, the lymphatics do that inside your body. So you're always exposed to toxins from the outside world that come in through your skin, through your nose, right, through what you eat most often. And then your body gets exposed to that outside world. But you also have the toxins that happen from the cells of your body just regenerating on a daily basis. So about 30 billion cells die every day uh, because they're supposed to die and you're supposed to make new ones. That means you're supposed to regenerate and heal so you can stay happy and joyful and resilient, not break down all the time. So people only stay sick because they they don't have the ability to make new cells that work anymore. So then you're just stuck with the old ones and you stay in these constant states of pain. And if you don't get rid of that waste, then the waste stays inside of your body and all those cells are living in this fluid environment because you're mostly water, right? And that's what's called interstitial fluid. And interstitial fluid is the cells that you're, is the environment that your cells float in. And if you have a toxic water environment, then the cells begin to slowly deteriorate and they can die and or you'll start to get dysfunction and you'll get a, a disease. You pick the name of the disease, it doesn't matter, right? The disease name doesn't matter. It's the same kind of manifestation where the cells become dysfunctional and they, they can't heal themselves. So it's kind of like the analogy of going to the bathroom in your house. Imagine if you went to the bathroom all the time and you couldn't flush the toilet anymore. It'd be pretty nasty inside your house. Well, sure would. that's what happens inside your body. So you have all this waste in there, and then you can't get nutrients into the cells. You can't get oxygen into the cells. And without those two things, the cells can't regenerate. If they can't regenerate, then you're just going to stay sick. So that system is absolutely critically fundamental because all these other areas that we're trying to take care of that are in pain, when you have pain, you have damage, you have some cells of the body that have some damage to it, right? And you need to heal the environment that those cells live in. It doesn't matter what kind, if it's a muscle cell, if it's a nerve cell, right? It's fascia, bone, you pick it. It's all got to live inside that water tank environment. So if you want to get healthy, you have to first make sure that the environment that your body is living in is restored to its optimum. And that's what the lymphatic system does. And that's why I talk about it so much, because working with it significantly changed my health and really brought me back from a very severe autoimmune disease that I had where I was kind of on death's door. And then uh, I just noticed that why is nobody else talking about the system and not giving any answers for people to make their own decisions to start to take care of it themselves? So I just decided, you know what? I'll just do it my damn self. So then I just started putting out workshops and videos and teaching people how to do these techniques on their own. And then it just sort of took off from there. That is awesome. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I'm so, I love your analogies for what the lymph system does, because I think a lot, a lot of people don't have that knowledge. And that is a clear picture of, of what that system does and how we need to take care of it. Yeah, we really do. And it's not that difficult really to do it. It's just a matter of knowing that you need to take care of it. And unfortunately, medicine really doesn't look at that system as an issue. They're starting to come around. I'm trying to play my part in, in teaching them, but 
The only time you usually hear about the lymphatic system is when somebody has cancer, right? Because yeah. it can spread through the lymphatic system anywhere in your body through what they call a metastasis. If you step back and you just reframe the question, you should ask yourself, that kind of tells you something right there, doesn't it? That if that lymphatic system can take a cancer cell and send it anywhere in the body, that means that system goes everywhere and it's really super powerful. So if it can send a cancer cell anywhere, it can do it. It's in anything it wants anywhere, including a virus or a bacteria, a parasite, a fungus, a toxin. So then all those things, the lymphatic system is designed to get rid of those things, fungus, bacteria, parasites, uh, and viruses, all of those types of things. And if they can't do it effectively, then your immune system has an issue and your immune system can sometimes be compromised where it goes low or most of the time what happens is it overreacts. And then that's the person who gets an autoimmune disease where all of a sudden they say, your body just decided to, to all of a sudden turn on itself and attack itself, which is complete BS. It's just flipped a switch where it's overreacting to something. So in essence, if you think about it, the immune system is designed to kill stuff, kill things to protect you, the operative word protection. So when you have an autoimmune disease, it's not that your body is breaking down and it's dysfunctional. It's actually too functional. It's doing way too much of a good job. And we have to rebalance it out. And that's the key word is balance. So you can restore it. And a lot of times what we're having is we're just attacking tissue and we're attacking symptoms and we're attacking, attacking disease names, but we're not digging deeper to figure out, okay, why in the world would the body do this in the first place, which is one simple reason. It's not to punish you. It's not to make your life miserable. It's to protect you. And then you have to figure out what's it protecting you from and then why did it get locked there? And it's different for everyone. Wow. That is, oh, wow. Thank you so much for explaining that in such detail. That's incredible. I am learning so much. Um, I have all, I have a lot of clients and family members who suffer from autoimmune disease and they're yeah. always telling me that their immune system is attacking itself. And I am very eager to send this episode their way so that they can listen and learn some new, some new um, tips. Yeah, well. language is really important. It, it's you know, unfortunately, they're saying that because they're taught that by how medicine talks to them yes. or frames their illness. And language is extremely powerful in your ability to heal or get sick, because the words that you choose when you talk to yourself in silence, or when you talk to a client or a physician, talk to you can set the stage of whether you're going to get well or not. And when you think that something is attacking you or you have to destroy what's coming after the body, it's a very different approach than ones that I take from Eastern medicine, which is all about harmony and balance and trying to restore things. And I mean, if you don't think that language makes a big difference on something, I mean, you can just go by how you feel physically when somebody uses a word at you and mm -hmm. you hear it and then your perception of that word based on your life history, can send you into an anger response, a joy response, a laughter response, or a grief response. And it's the word that did it. So language is really, really important. So that's the one thing that I try to tell people is your body is never attacking itself. It's attacking something that is camouflaging as yourself. 
And that's usually going to be an underlying virus or parasite or bacteria or fungus because those guys are opportunistic and they hide inside of you. They're very stealthy because they have to live off of you and then they mimic you. And so your body attacks you, but it's really going after them, but it thinks it's it it's it thinks it's you, but it's really not. So if you think about it logically, it's not attacking you at all. It's it's doing its job. It can be tricked sometimes. And anything can be tricked. Even the brain can be tricked. All you got to do is look at one of those 3D kind of books where you all of a sudden are looking at this painting and then you see a tiger, you know, like mm-hmm. it's very easy to trick the the brain and the immune system and the nervous system and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we, t- we need to change the perspective, in my opinion, on the way that we're looking at lifestyle diseases like chronic pain and autoimmune disease, because it will not and I'm going to stand by this, it will absolutely not be fixed the way that we go after traditional traumatic uh, life-saving care. Uh, a completely different model. There is no one thing that causes autoimmune disease. There's a lot of different things that come together. And then that's why it's so hard to do because we don't understand a lot how these different relationships of toxins that we take in work together or off each other and your life history from the moment, even before you're born, make a difference on whether you're going to be susceptible to something in, inside your environment based on your life, your life choices and behaviors. Uh, so unfortunately, I don't see that changing. Uh, honestly, I still think we're going too isolated into systems or body parts, or we uh, go after a disease name in and of itself. Yes, we do. And to go back to the word creating an emotion in your body, our body believes every word we say. That's correct. They're powerful words. Yep. It really does. You know, I, I was never, honestly, I was never much into looking at emotions role and, mm-hmm. and health and disease until I had to experience it for myself. Right. I mean, I, it was a point where I just thought that honestly, that was just, that was kooky stuff, but suffering and illness for yourself or somebody else in your life has a wonderful way of teaching you many different things when you can step back and try to gather what the lesson is about it. Um, and I found through myself and through every person that I've ever dealt with who has an autoimmune disease, there's always an underlying emotional component to anything that's uh, chronic for people. That's what makes us unique as human beings. We're not just body parts or tissues. I always tell people when I teach, I jokingly say there's a human being attached to the piece of meat that you're trying to to treat. And you Mm -hmm. have to take that into consideration uh, when you're working with an individual. You may have had it yourself where you can do a session where if you just sit down and listen to somebody, truly listen to them because they don't really get listened to when they have an autoimmune disease because all their blood tests come up normal. Right. Nothing's wrong with you or it's in your head. And if you listen to them and you have a caring touch and they can have like an emotional connection because we all need that. And if they can let some emotions out, sometimes it's anger, sometimes it's crying, sometimes it's grief. Um, I've had numerous people say, you know what, after that, my pain that I had that I was dealing with for years, I don't feel it anymore. It happens all the time. I mean, every single day when I, where I work with people and it just, it, it's absolutely a beautiful thing to, um, 
to observe and to see, because like you said before, your body always listens to what you tell it, how you think changes your physiology and your biology. It does. It sure does. So what is your thoughts of mobility and lymph? We practice this in my online community all the time, trying to support them and keeping themselves mobile and not have a lot of my clients have long, uh, they sit at the desk all day. They've got long commutes, heavy workloads, that sort of thing. And can you share a little bit about how the limb system, if it's not functioning properly, how that affects your mobility? Sure. Absolutely. That's a great question. So, I mean, it's important to know that there's so many things that we can do personally to help our own health. The, the lymphatic system, um, moves primarily through a couple of different mechanisms. Number one is human movement. Like you're designed to move like a lot <laughs> and, and we don't move. And if we do move, here's the thing. We do the same kind of movements all the time. So then you, you adapt to that and then your body conforms to what you always do and what you, what you don't do. It does both. So one of the reasons people have issues with lymph issues is that they don't move enough. And then the very act of moving moves muscles. And then the movement of the muscles moves the lymph kind of like a pump because the lymph doesn't have a heart that pumps your blood like that. It has to go through movement, right? And also you don't want to do the same kind of movement all the time either because you want to move more of yourself more often, more ways and more environments because then you can move your muscles in different directions to move those lymph because you've got billions and billions of lymphatic capillaries, which are the endpoints of the lymphatic system that are beneath your skin and in your gut and they feed into what they call lymph nodes, which are bigger round nodes that take all these toxins and filter them out. And the immune system comes in and kills all the viruses, bacteria, and toxins. And you need to be able to move them into that lymph, but they have to move from the nodes up back up into the heart because it goes out through your circulatory system again. And then the other one is breathing, breathing through your diaphragm, which is this, people listening to your show might know what it is. I mean, it's a muscle that sits right below your rib cage slash in your rib cage. And then that changes the pressure inside of your body, particularly what's called your intra-abdominal pressure, the pressure around your abdomen and in your lungs. And when you change pressure like that, pressure changes move fluid. That's called hydrodynamics from physics. Pressure changes of fluid through breathing. So if you don't breathe through your diaphragm and you just breathe through your mouth and you, you go through your neck and your lungs... So you breathe mostly from the lungs as opposed to the diaphragm. And the reason I said mouth is because when you breathe through your mouth, it's virtually impossible to breathe through your diaphragm. You breathe more from your lungs when you're a, a mouth breather. So one of the easiest ways to move your lymph is to just breathe through your nose. And then uh, the diaphragm moves the fluid as well. And when you sleep at night, what's here is fascinating is that they used to not think that you had lymphatics in your brain until they recently discovered that, oops-a-daisy, you do. We kind of missed that. And that moves and drains at night when you sleep. So when you sleep, your brain actually shrinks a little bit. This fluid called your cerebrospinal fluid moves around your brain and around your spinal cord. And the cerebrospinal fluid flushes the brain 
like flushes the toxins and those drain into your neck and down back to your heart. And what moves that pump is when you breathe at night. And that's why if you breathe through your nose at night, you'll move more lymph and then you'll drain your brain and you'll drain the toxins from your brain. So you'll wake up more refreshed and then your brain will work better. So then you'll move better and you'll feel better. And they're finding that this inability to drain the toxins from your brain and your gut is what leads to neurodegenerative disorders like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and things like that. Wow, that is super fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty geeky, cool stuff, right? I mean, I love it. <laughs> Me too. I, you, If you could see, I am just totally glowing. You're hitting all those points. Another thing with the mobility is when I'm speaking to clients, I am encouraging them to move in all planes of motion. This was a huge thing in our um, massage program, moving in the sagittal, the frontal, and the transverse planes. And I'm a huge advocate for that. And I'm constantly trying to remind them and showing them, this is what this type of movement is. You have to like, what type of, I've created a formula, actually it's pain points and their daily activities. And then I use an app called posture analysis. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm -hmm. Yep. I had Dr. Ferrantelli on another uh, episode and I use the combination of that to create their mobility plan. So if they're just sitting at their desk and riding their bike, then I'm going to add agility side to side movements and core work to support them, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Don't stop that, but you have to add in that those other ways of moving your body around. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a really key thing just to kind of sprinkle those things in and important that they know that they don't have to give up what they love to do. They just add some things to it. I I call it the three V's, like V for Victor. It stands for variation, variability, and variety, which means just do different things in different ways. And I firmly, I'll be honest with you, I don't really think there's a wrong way to move uh, because all movement is valuable. All movement teaches you something. It can teach you what to do or not to do. I actually think it's worse if you do the same kind of movement all the time. Um, it's going to make you more vulnerable. So when people say, oh, well, you know, my so-and-so I'm working with said I'm not moving right, um, that I'm moving wrong. Well, I'm back to the language again. I mean, right. imagine telling somebody that they're, do- they're moving wrong. I mean, they're going to be afraid to move. <laughs> or totally. they feel that you have to be there with them to make sure they're doing it right. I mean, you already know how to do it right, right? It's it's just kind of getting out of your own way, getting out of your own head, stop overanalyzing everything with the front of your brain and just start to trust the primal brain, the playful brain. Because I have people just play because there's no wrong way to play. You just You're just playing. And then you stop thinking about the fact that you're thinking. So in the world of rehab, my big pet peeve about that is that we we break things down to be too detailed, too much minutia, and then we're overcoaching and we're giving them 15 points they have to take care of, and they're stressing out about the corrective movement. And I'm trying to reduce their stress to get them better, not add to it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what they came for. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, you know, see, one thing that I've found out over time is that people begin to take things so seriously in the world of medicine or pain 
I mean, because you're dealing with people that are suffering, but those are the people that don't need seriousness, man. They're the people that need humor and laughter and play and connection. And there, there is zero correlation between appearing to be serious and actually being good at what you do. Like, I know a lot of people that are like, this guy's like, he's kind of crazy. And for some reason, you think that they are not experienced or they don't know what they're talking about because they're not as serious. But then you look at their patients and their patients are actually getting better faster than if they're with someone else. And that's back to that environment, right? It's back to that relationships that you have. Because trust me, if I can get my client to crack a smile when I'm doing a rehab movement, that's going to be way more effective in the long run. Exactly. They're going to remember that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the little things add up, but I call LTAs, little tiny action steps, little and often over the long haul, make you a hashtag beast mode monster, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love that hashtag. That's awesome. So would you be open to sharing a little bit into your wellness journey? Sure. You mean things that I do to keep myself well? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, I move a lot. For sure, though, I mean, I, I walk my talk and I, I I come from a background of bodybuilding where I used to just lift heavy stuff and put it back down like a lot. I was just more concerned with how I looked on the outside, but I was a hot mess, always hurt. So then I got more into doing body weight stuff, being able to control your own body mass in different positions. That's what I call true strength. And I do a lot of internal martial arts. So every day I always do some form of meditation, but mostly through movement because I practice Tai Chi a lot and I love the, the the thoughts of Tai Chi and the practice of it because it deals a lot with circles and spirals and rotations. And that's the way that the world is designed. Nothing is linear in, the, in nature. Uh, so I always uh, practice that and I do some ground-based body weight movements where I just kind of move and play on the ground and mimic different animals in nature. And I, I try to go outside as much as I can into nature because I think the furthest you get away from nature, the more lost we become. So I practice a lot of grounding where I put my feet on the earth, my body on the earth. Um, I drink structured water, which is water that has something in it to help it absorb well into the body because there's no 100% pure water anywhere in your body. There's always something in it. So I add something to the water. Usually I'll add a little bit of lemon, a little bit of tincture of salt, could be an essential oil. You can even, uh, it's called structured water where it changes the the structure of the water molecules themselves. Sometimes I'll put some uh, liquid minerals in there. Uh, Sunlight will do it. Moonlight will do it. Some, if you get a little bit more on uh, other things, you can put rocks in it. So that does it too, um, with filters, of course. <laughs> and then that makes a huge uh, difference uh, when you do that. And those, those are probably some of the biggest things that, that, I, that I practice. And I usually do some intermittent fasting worked well for me. So I go periods of time anywhere from 12 to 15 hours before I eat, which was a pretty big change for me over the course of my life. Cause as a bodybuilder, I'd be eating every two, three hours, seven times a day, not giving my digestive system a time to relax. But now I practice what's called circadian fasting, where I only eat when the sun comes up and then I don't eat after the sun goes down. 
So I follow that type of fasting and that seemed to work well for me. That kind of goes back into our ancestral time a little bit. And it sure does. That is super cool. I love that. Yeah. And it's easy to follow too. Yeah. 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 The sun will tell you when to eat, when to start eating, and the sun will tell you when to stop. Yeah, and we don't really see the sun, you know? I mean, we're, we're stuck inside all the time. We got artificial light. We got blue light. We got all these uh, EMFs, 4G, 5G. You know, uh, a friend of mine, Jack Cruz, to get a great quote once said, human beings are the only species intelligent enough to invent artificial light and dumb enough to live under it. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> so all that stuff is just going to affect you. Because he's a neurosurgeon and he was getting sick all the time because he was always under hospital lights. And, wow. um, you know, so he, he he figured out a way around it by, here's a novel idea. You go outside a little bit more and you get some, some natural sunlight going into yourself. But that's kind of what I was talking about. I mean, it's all these small things that I just mentioned that can make a huge difference in your overall health. Because if you... If you're missing some of the basics and the fundamentals that your cells need to re- to heal and regenerate your body, uh, you're never going to get well no matter what type of therapy you do, right? I mean, one small missing building block, you might not notice right away. And that's why it can creep up on you because these pains that we get like autoimmune or downstream problems, they happen years later or decades later from something that you may have been missing for a decade and then it shows up now. But with Western medicine, it's like, okay, you're sick today. What happened yesterday? Right. And they don't look at that past history of uh, causation. And then we get lost because we're not going back far enough and putting the puzzle pieces together. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It certainly does. Thank you for clarifying all of that. So what, when you're working with a client, what is your goal, overall goal? Um, well, it's important that I preface and say that most people, when they find me, they find me last. Um, I'm not the first person you go see when you have an issue. Um, most people have tried traditional routes, therapeutic routes, or uh, your typical uh, approaches to pain. And when they're kind of sick and tired of being sick and tired and they're like, nobody else has an answer. I mean, I may go see this guy because I heard he's, he's getting a little crazy. He does some things that seem a little bit out there, but they're not. Once you sit in my room and I explain it to you, then it makes complete sense. And then you're like, why the hell didn't somebody explain it to me this way before? And then you get a little mad and you should. Um, So when I see them, most of the time they're in a state of chronic stress. They're burned out. They're worn out. They're in a state of hopelessness. There's always some emotional component to it. They're frustrated. So my biggest thing is I just, I need to connect with them. I need to listen to them. I spend an hour with every client all the time on the first visit because that I get to be with them as a human. And then I can get most of what I need from uh, observing them and talking to them and then looking at their history. And then I'll get them on the table. And I kind of already know where I'm going to go because I have a system of approach because I know how the body works with all these systems together and then how one needs to come before the other if you have an issue. And so I have to deal with getting them uh, to feel like they have some hope again and decrease stress because it's a very important concept that I want to make sure I get across here before we run out of time is that 
I learned that maybe it wasn't my skill set or my techniques that were the problem. Maybe the person's nervous system or their body wasn't ready to accept what I was going to do for them. And that's really important because they're in a state where maybe they don't believe they can get better or they're in the state of fight, fight, freeze, freak out, that stress response. And then their body can't heal because you can't heal when you're defending. If you're always in defense mode, your body can't shut down and it can't heal. So I need to, to walk them off that ledge. And two of the most powerful ways that I do that are through my relationship with the client. And the other one is I always, always, always do vagus nerve work. I work with the vagus nerve, which is a brain in the head that goes down to the organs of your body. And it's the, to me, it's the most powerful nerve in the body. And because uh, when you go back to embryology, you'll see it's the most powerful nerve in the body. And that the, uh, that, that puts you into a relaxation state, what they call the parasympathetic state. So I can push you into the healing state and it gets you out of that fight state. Um, those are my two biggest things that I have to do. If I can do that, then all these other therapies that cracks open the door for you to let me in so I can make a change. Because if I don't do that, your nervous system will, here's the thing, I can do all these therapies to you when you're in my office, but it's not going to stick. It's not going to last unless your nervous system and your body lets me come on in. It lets me make a change. If it's locked in survival mode, it absolutely positively will not. So I have to do that first. Right. That is an, those are awesome, awesome steps. I love that. If there was a person who's not in New Jersey, can you give us two to three things to ask another practitioner or what would you suggest that they do? I'm not sure I know what you mean. So if there's somebody who's, un, who's, are you able to work with people virtually or they have to be in, in person? Oh, no. I mean, people can work. I mean, in person is always ideal because nothing, nothing can replace human touch where I can get my hands on you. Right. I'll always find the answer when I get my hands on you. Um, but uh, if not, I can do it from remote. And I do that a lot because people contact me from all over the world to just kind of do a consult so I can uh, uh, kind of listen to their, their puzzle pieces and to put it together. So that's a, these are the biggest tip that I give to people is that you have to spend a lot more time on gathering the, the history information on someone and those small little things that we tend to overlook are actually the the big things, it's like Muhammad Ali said, it's not the mountain that gets you, it's the pebble in your shoe that gets you. And, <laughs> you know, it's the small little things that we don't think are any big deal that are the big deal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I do I do both, but ideally, um, in is best. And I usually have a four-visit program where I call it feel better in four or schedule no more, which means that I'm never going to do the same thing twice to you. If I don't get you to feel a, a, a pretty significant change in your body for the better within four visits, I'm not going to be able to do it in five. And then I'll usually tell you that we, I've got to send you somewhere else or there's something that I'm missing or we got to look uh, deeper to find. Uh, right. You know, and people like that because I'm, I'm pretty straightforward with them. I mean, I can't fix everything either. I mean, it's not my job to fix anything anyway. It's your body's job to do it. I'm just trying to help you do it. Um, right. But it's not unicorns and rainbows either. Sometimes people have issues where stuff is broken and it's just going to stay broken, but it doesn't mean you have to be broken as a human. 
or it doesn't mean you have to stay with that that level of pain that you're in because you'll you'll learn the more you're in pain is that pain can change based on your perception of the pain. So they're saying now that the level of pain you experience doesn't equate to the level of damage that's on a tissue by any means whatsoever. Um, so it mostly it's your 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 conscious perception of pain and then your subconscious perception of pain usually end up driving it in the long run. Awesome. Thank you very much for sharing that. So I'm so glad that you do virtual and in, uh, in person, uh, sessions. Yeah, I try to awesome. help people as Perfect. much as I, as, as much as I, as much as I can. That's wonderful. Well, yeah, virtual is the, one of the best ways to go to. So how can listeners connect with you? Oh, it's very simple. Uh, I'm easy to find. If you type in just three words, stop chasing pain. Uh, you'll find a lot of stuff. I've been doing this for a, a long time and you'll see my main website will show up and then that's usually kind of a hub where you can then go out to all of my social media accounts. I mean, I'm on pretty much every one so you can get there. I do spend the most time on Instagram, I think, because I like the energy there. I like the community there. Uh, Facebook has a tendency to be a little bit toxic. Um, but you know, the Instagram is usually uh, where I'm at. And then you can see all the stuff that I offer there from memberships to consults to workshops to videos to things like that. So I've got some really cool new ones coming out in uh, 2020. I was taking a look at your website and I'm very excited. There are several courses I'm interested in. So thank you. Yeah. I'd love to Hopefully have we'll you be able to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be so cool. Absolutely. Awesome. So where are you based on? I'm in San Mateo. I'm in the Bay Area. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think I'll be out that way in, uh, in 2020. Perfect. Well, cool. I will look forward to it. <laughs> yeah. It would be a lot of fun to have you there. You come as my guest. Oh, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Well, Dr. Perry, it has been such a blast learning more about you and your mission with Stop Chasing Pain. And my goal through this podcast is to share the many modalities someone can use to empower them to live a healthy lifestyle. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Anatomy Nerd Show. Make sure you subscribe to my podcast at anatomynerd.life and follow at The Anatomy Nerd on Facebook and Instagram. Please don't forget to rate, subscribe, and leave feedback about this episode. I love to read the comments and truly appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Anatomy Nerd signing off for now.